<laughs> Fix myself. I am just waiting for Dwayne to join me. Let's see, where is he? Oh, here he is. Participants one. Just me. No, it's just me. Dwayne, enter the waiting room. Admit. I admitted Dwayne. Dwayne is connecting to audio. <laughs> you there, Dwayne? Yeah, I am. Thank you. Waiting for this video to kick in. There we go. How you doing, man? Oh, awesome. Strong beard game, bro. Well, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's kind of required here in Arkansas. You uh, they they know you as an outsider if you're not walking around looking like this. So, <laughs> how's how's life treating you, buddy? Um, life is really good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're just fine. Thanks. All right, let me. Uh, I'm going to switch my audio output to my headphones. Okay. Um, just so we don't get any uh, reverberation or anything. Where are the settings on Zoom? <laughs> oh, here we are. Zoom preferences. Here we go. Audio. Let's see. Speaker. Dragon Pods. That's what I, my headphones are called. All right. We should be good now. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to speak with me. I do appreciate it very, very much. Um, this is for Arkansas Wild. We are a quarterly uh, magazine uh, and the only one really in Arkansas that's solely focused on, on everything outdoors, hunting, fishing, hiking, biking, you name it. <clears throat> and for our first issue of um, 2022, uh, the working title for the cover package is What's Next? And uh, we're talking about um, the new use for the outdoors, different ways of making it more inclusive, different ways of making it more adaptive. And when I ran across your story, I, I thought this is this is the perfect um, person to talk about ways that that not only in Arkansas, but elsewhere, um, trails and and amenities can become more adaptive for for all people. And uh, then the the gravy of all of this is that uh, uh, you've discovered Arkansas, spend some of your time here and what have you, which I thought was just just a perfect tie in as well. So, uh, as I said, I'm really, really thrilled that uh, you could make time to uh, to speak with us. Thank you. Awesome, man. I'm 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 stoked. <laughs> So let's just start with a little bit of, of background information. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your growing up and the role that, that the outdoors and, and different uh, outdoor sports played in your uh, development. Yeah, um, yeah, great way to start. Um, I <clears throat> grew up in San Diego. Um, I say I was born in San Diego, but I actually... Um, was not. I, I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, but we moved to San Diego when I was two months old. So I always say born and raised in San Diego. All right. 
technicality technicality (laughs) and uh, growing up in san diego is as you would expect it to be everything is outdoors and i didn't really have um any parenting (laughs) and then growing up in you know the 80s you know it was different then you know it it was just just come home at night type of thing you know and so um my little brother and I, we just, you know, were tromping through the canyons, uh, meeting illegal immigrants out there. And <laughs> just, it was yeah. no holds barred skateboarding. And then uh, right about, uh, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade, um, I traded my skateboard for a surfboard. And, uh, we started, we lived about six miles from the beach. So we would ride our BMX bikes. Um, and I actually found a, a torker frame, um, which is interesting because I've recently become friends with Eddie King and he's the torker guy. I found a mm-hmm. torker frame in the Canyon. I reported to the police and everything and, you know, um, held onto it for a couple months. And then, uh, you know, I, I called them and say, Hey, you know, what's up with this frame? Did you find the owner? Da, da, da. I'm like, Nope, it's yours. So, um, you know, obviously someone had stolen a bike and ditched it in the Canyon. And I, I found it, um, sold all my GI Joes and transformers and built that bike up. And then, um, <clears throat> my little brother and I, we'd ride our bikes, uh, to the beach, you know, carrying a surfboard, boogie board and started, started surfing then. And uh, my whole life, just growing up, has being outdoors has been a, a very big, very big part of, of everything I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at, at at what point did it stop being just a a thing that kids kind of kick around? Because a, a lot of people leave that stuff behind them. Other people take it and they say, "All right, I've mastered this. Now, what's the next challenge? What is the next?" mountain what is the next jump whatever that might be next wave in your case at what point did did you ever have a conscious decision of saying all right look i'm gonna map this out to where i want to conquer certain things or were you just taking those those challenges as they come oh it's an interesting question i've actually never really thought about that um you know i my entire life i've just been kind of a pinball just bouncing around from one thing to the next um which is great uh, because I've been, you know, been very present in, in all those moments, but not good in the sense that uh, there hasn't been um, a sense of direction in, in my life and, and until um, I would say my mid thirties, even. Um, so was there ever a conscious decision? I think in every sport, um, I do. And this is, I'm speaking for, you know, most people here, we, you know, in everything we do, we're always striving to progress. That's just human nature for most people. Um, so everything I've always been trying to be better, definitely. Um, but I think the first thing where I was like, I need to conquer this, um, in, uh, in 2012, um, I, there, there was this, I, I was living in, in Mammoth at the time, Mammoth Lakes, California. The Mammoth is a mm-hmm. ski resort in the Eastern Sierras. And, um, 
there's this mountain that um, I was just obsessed with, the backcountry mountain, biggest mountain in the area. And all my friends would climb and ski it, you know, every spring and summer because it held snow year round. Um, right. And so, yeah, so I, I got obsessed with it and uh, got a crew of, of people together and, and climbed this mountain and skied it. And that was probably the first time where there was a, a definite, clear goal and direction in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, also in, in 2012 was a major turning point in your life. Uh, I've read on your bio um, uh, that, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm getting that wrong. That was when you that was when you became the first paraplegic to, to climb this uh, this ski route, which we'll we'll get to in a minute. But but prior to that, there was a big turning point in your life, uh, being paralyzed in a, I believe is a motorcycle accident. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Two thousand one uh, is when my accident okay. was. I just uh, last year celebrated well, so how many twenty years um, in a wheelchair. Crazy man, crazy. I mean. It doesn't seem like yesterday, but it doesn't seem like 20 years either. Um, yeah, really. Yeah. Crazy to think 20 years in a wheelchair. Um, you know, yeah, man, you know, just, I, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. So it was the, the thing about those types of, uh, those types of experiences is how, how they can crystallize for some individuals that I've, I've spoken to. It really crystallizes their life's work in a, in an odd kind of way. Um, was that the outcome for, for you? It, obviously it was a tragedy and, and, and it was something you wouldn't want to go through again necessarily, but I mean, innovation comes out of, out of, uh, adversity. And would you be, would you have done what you have done since then, had it not been for, you know, that crystallizing moment of, of waking up from that? Well, the answer to your question is no, I would not be doing what I'm doing today if I wasn't paralyzed, probably. Um, um, And, you know, if I were to answer your question, you know, um, I I don't, I wish I could say that, oh, I'm still the same person. I'm still doing the same stuff, you know, which is true. I'm still an outdoorsman. I'm still me. You know, I still like drinking beer and working on working on stuff and whatever. Um, I'm still that person, but I almost died, man. And, uh, yeah. you know, being close to death for any anybody is definitely a slap in the face. Like I said, I was just a pinball, you know, mm-hmm. I was 25. I was pretty selfish, man. And, um, it's definitely a wake up call from that stuff to like, Hey man, let's live life with, uh, you know, more intention. And there's been a couple other close calls since then. Um, but, uh, I'd also be lying if I said that, um, I want this bike that I have, you know, I don't want to be an adaptive rider (laughs) and I'm not even really, I'm not even a mountain biker in, in, in my heart and mind. I'm, I'm a surfer and a trail runner. And, um, this bike is how I get out on the trail. You know, I'm visualizing myself running as I'm cranking that thing. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, it's not, uh, man, I, I I don't want to, I, I don't want to sound negative because I live an amazing life. I'm stoked. I'm definitely winning, you know, (laughs) in life. Um, but I would definitely, uh, you know, 
being an adaptive rider is uh, a big slice of humble pie and it's, it's not all fun and games, you know, okay. uh, life okay. in a wheelchair sucks, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, being in a wheelchair is not fun. It is not a fun thing. Um, so that's the, you must, you must understand you, you, you certainly you must realize that the, the, while it is not what you would have planned, hoped for, or even, given the chance, maybe done it exactly the same way, right? You have to understand that by virtue of what you're doing, how much hope you're giving to other people and, and how much change you can impact beyond pavement being just one of those uh, aspects that's that's most visible. But there, there are people you'll never even meet who maybe will read this article, uh, certainly has seen your, your, your blog, your podcast and whatnot, and get out of their house for the first time. And, and, and that, that must certainly strike a, strike a note with you doesn't make up for everything, but it, it must, uh, it must resound with you, doesn't it? hundred percent. That's what gets me up in the morning. My life is not about me anymore. It's, it's bigger. And, uh, the on pavement project and everything is something that's bigger than me. And when I get those comments, and messages from people, you know, that's, you know, I definitely struggle in my head and it's those things that keep me going. And I have to remind myself every morning, one, that I'm winning, that I live a great life. You know, I live in America, bro. We live in America. And I mean, there's so much, we just have endless opportunity here. I mean, I'm talking to you on this beautiful macbook pro you know yeah. <laughs> stuff like yeah. you know i just gotta i got my iphone right i got everything i need you know more and more <laughs> yeah. um i got all the gadgets i got the van i got you know i have ocean view <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'm yeah. definitely cool. winning but i do i just have a propensity for just being dark and um it's uh i gotta remind myself how good i have it um, it takes a conscious decision for me and um, and remind myself that my life is no longer about me, um, yeah. which is a, an interesting place to be. You know, um, mm-hmm. I always say we got to play our best hand, um, whatever hand that is, you know, you got to do your best to win with it, win with it, you know. Um, yeah. And this is this is what I've got. And I think, you know, I, I, I have decided not I think I've decided that. Um, you know, working in trails and, and the whole unpavement project is, uh, the best hand that I can play. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's just strategy, <laughs> you know, mostly. <laughs> so, so, so what year did, what year did the unpavement project come online? Gosh, great question. Uh, it's been, I think my first video is, uh, coming up on three years now. Okay. Um, okay. which is interesting, man, because, my channel is still super small time. I mean, I think I have just over a thousand subscribers, which thanks guys. I love you all, <laughs> but it's super small time and I've been working my ass off, bro. And it's still super small time and it, it's just really weird. And, um, you know, scientifically it's because the content is not searchable. You're not going yeah. on, you're not going on there searching for most people are not going on there searching for adaptive bike stuff or uh inspiration motivation you know most people are not really searching that stuff yeah so i've just kind of come to the realization that for the channel to grow i have to have searchable content i have to do more i have to double down on the gear reviews and and things like that the van life stuff is actually really helping 
things are really yeah. starting to go with, you know, with the van stuff. So people are searching for that and I'm coming up in that stuff in those feeds now um, at the double down on that, on, on that stuff. And on like the YouTube shorts is, is yeah. big now. And then hopefully people are then exposed like, Oh, this guy has really cool videos that he must work really hard on. And, uh, and, and then hopefully subscribe, hopefully get people to invest in, in, in the channel that way. Cool. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about your connection to Arkansas. What was the chicken and what was the egg? Did you go there for an event and then say, then say, Hey, look, I can, I, I want to get involved with making these trails more adaptive. Or did they say, we, we know of this guy, why don't you come out and help us make more adaptive? And then you fell in love with it when you got there. I mean, who, 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 who reached out to who first, man, it's so crazy how stuff happens. <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, we're just riding this amoeba that's just being taken anywhere, you know? <laughs> and, uh, man, um, I was contacted by, um, a gentleman from a PR agency, a PR agency in New York that I can't remember who, um, contracted this guy. I can't remember if it was the town or if it was the Walton foundation. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure. It was the Visitors Bureau. I can't remember, though, so don't quote me on that. Had had contracted this PR agent to um, reach out to uh, micro-influencers on, on YouTube to come and possibly make videos. So we were working things out. Um, I remember, like... Um, being in, you know, on the road and like trying to text and call this guy. And um, he was trying to work out a, a trip um, to Bentonville for me, but um, then COVID hit and, you know, stuff just got, you know, just fell through the cracks and didn't happen. But I was thinking it, it got Bentonville on my radar and I had been there once in um, mm -hmm. what year was it? It was for the the Imba World Summit, which I want to say was five years ago or so, maybe okay. six now. Um, I had been there. And it was my first exposure to Bentonville. I'm like, oh, whoa, this place is not what I expected. You know, right. this is mountain bike Disneyland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so I wanted to go back. I really wanted to go back. And I've really been... I had really been working on my Subaru and like my camping. So I was really craving being on the road, camping out of the Subaru and making videos. So I decided just to, just to, you know, just do it, just to do it myself. So the, uh, um, the executive director for San Diego mountain bike association here, Susie Murphy connected me with Amy Ross who um, was then uh, working for, um, um, was it uh, Bike Arkansas? Or, um, okay. So here's Visit, Visit Bentonville, um, Bike Bentonville, Bike Bentonville is who she's working for. Right. She's now my manager, by the way. <laughs> she's oh, okay. no longer with Bike Bentonville and is, and is, is helping me keep my crazy life um, together and organized. <laughs> Um, so Susie connected me with Amy and then Amy set it all up with everybody and, and, um, organized a, a ride plan and got me, um, a, a, a spot to park my Subaru at Kohler. And I came there and made a few videos, um, 
And the first video I did was uh, on the Wonderland area, and I rode with uh, Gary Vernon and Hogan Kosas. And so got connected with those guys. And then in just the process, the course of the next year or so and communicating with those guys, they decided that they wanted to really work on the adaptive mount- mountain bike infrastructure in the area and um, mm-hmm. invited me to come work as a consultant to perform trail audits for them. So that's where we're at. And that's what brought me to Benville. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to be at least a part-time Arkansan? <laughs> well, I had been, well, let, let me start this answer with, um, to buy a house in California, you have to have a minimum million dollars put down. I don't have that. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I want to buy a house. I wanted to buy a house and, um, I wanted to buy a house somewhere that's fun where I can, um, either you do something out of my door, you know? And, um, I was actually looking at Western Colorado, Fruta, Colorado was, um, number one on the list in the beginning, um, places like, uh, Boise and Bozeman, Whitefish. I'd look at, I've been, was, you know, researching real estate and everything in places like that. And then I had this trip to Arkansas and, um, basically, uh, Kayleen Munson, who works for the town, and um, and Amy talked me into making Arkansas where I was going to set up shop. Um, wow. I also am the U.S. dealer for the manufacturer that builds my bike. Okay. And um, I wanted I want to start a demo program. I want to be mm-hmm. and I and I want to be in a destination mountain bike place for that. San Diego, sure. there's good riding here, but people aren't coming here specifically to mountain bike. Sure. I want to be in a place where people are going there to mountain bike and um, mm-hmm. are you know would want to come there to try the try the bikes that I sell. Oh, so that's okay. how that's so- how it happened, man. And I bought a house. Um, yeah. oh, I got super lucky because, as you know, the market's crazy. It's calmed down a right. little bit. All right. But man, I got my heart broken a few times, and I finally <laughs> just got lucky on on this house. And uh, it, you know, it's not what you know; it's who you know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, Amy and my friends, you know, told me about this house, and they the owner decided to not even list it and just sell it to me without listing it. So I didn't have to fight anybody. It was super easy and it's across the street from Kohler. Oh, there you go. Okay. (laughs) So, so how do you, how do you split your time then? Are are you, are you full-time in Arkansas yet with just occasions at at California? Is it the other way around? I mean, how do you split your time? Well, originally um, the plan was to be mostly Arkansas and then, and, and get rid of my place here in San Diego. Um, but yeah, I, I'm San Diego soft, brother. <laughs> and it is muggy as hell there in the summer. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I'm so soft, man. I'm so soft. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, oh, <laughs> you know it, you know it. <laughs> just working on my, you know, bike in my garage, just drenched, <laughs> drenched. And, um, oh, you know, the one thing that uh, has been difficult for me to get used to is having the house closed up. Um, here you have all your windows and doors open, you don't, and you, I don't have a heater. I don't have an air conditioner. You know, it's, 
it's mellow, man. You don't, yeah. you don't think about what you're going to wear. You just wear a t-shirt, you know, maybe you mm. throw on a hoodie. Well, I'm wearing a beanie and a hoodie because I actually live um, right on the water and there's yeah. a storm last night. So the, you know, the wind kind of just comes straight in. This is like a tunnel for the wind right here. Um, and well, I wear a beanie almost year round anyways. <laughs> That's just how I am. Um, so I decided, and I, and I got, I, I gotta be honest with you. I got really homesick. My, my first stint there, I was there into August and I was really missing the ocean and, um, I got really, I got homesick. And so I decided mm -hmm. to keep my place here for the time being and, uh, and, and be here, um, to winter and summer here yeah. in San Diego and then spring and fall, which are unbelievably beautiful there, man. Yeah. Um, the oh, fall absolutely. riding with all the leaves. Oh my God. What just every day out of my house. <laughs> it's just it's so beautiful and I, I want that you know every day in my life um so that's why i'm splitting time right now my rent i'm renting my place here in san diego and i have a really good deal um and i have a really good thing going here so that was another thing i was pretty tough to you know to to leave yeah. is i i'm comfortable here you know and so i'm moving to arkansas um getting a house there because I've decided it's what's best for me and my career and what I'm working on. That's bigger than me. Yeah. So, so that's why, so right now splitting time, uh, and this is, uh, we're coming up to, uh, we're, we're still in the first year, uh, of mm -hmm. this. So I'm not sure how it's all going to play out. I'm still figuring it out. Um, I do spend a lot of time on the road. I'm a, I'm about to leave God in a, a week and a half. I'm spending a month on the road, man. Wow. So okay. out of the van. So, so a month or two out of the year, I do spend on the road too, though. Cool. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your, your mission through, through the unpavement and, and, and then speaking in general of, of areas that want to be more inclusive in terms of trails when, when when you're dealing with somebody whether it's bentonville whether it's you know wherever what are some of the same either hurdles what are the mm. same things that haven't been thought of because trails have only been thought of for one type of traffic right 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 um and and to be to make them to, for instance are they are they typically too narrow or are there they're just some different um, design elements that have to be corrected? Is it a mindset? Let's talk a little bit about what, what you were trying to improve if you're not building something from the ground up. How, how, how do you make that more inclusive? Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad you asked this question. And th this is a very loaded question. It's multi-tiered, right. multifaceted. So let's work on unpacking this a little bit. So le let's just start with the basics. Yes, I have an awesome bike that allows me to get out on the trail and have a relationship with nature. Mm -hmm. Um, it's awesome, but yes, it is wide. It is limited, you know? Um, so what I can ride or what an adaptive rider can, can navigate is limited in respect to a two wheel bike. Of course, it's just, this is how it is, man. Um, the equipment is improving quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, there, there is that the equipment is becoming 
uh, more and more capable um, very quickly. So we do have that, which is awesome. Um, and in my experiences out on the trail, I've gotten in myself into some pretty precarious situations. Um, I've even been helicoptered out before. Um, when you don't have the luxury of being able to walk your bike out, if anything happens, you know, if you don't have, uh, if you're unable to fix the bike or you're just stuck, which has happened to me mm -hmm. before I've, um, you know, and a crash can happen at any moment, um, no matter what, you know, even if I'm just on, you know, novice terrain, you know, it, it just happens. I make a mistake, you know, or something else shit happens, you know? And, uh, it's, it's really, if I end up off the trail or not, that can really determine if I'm able to recover from that crash. Um, right. for example, I had one crash where, um, it was super minor. It was just dumb. And I ended up off the trail and, um, down the hill a little bit. And I was able to get myself back up to the trail, but then imagine being a paraplegic and you don't really have a base you know, um, yeah, I can't in trying to get my, I struggle for about two hours trying to get my bike up to the trail. Nobody came by, which is crazy. I'm like, Oh, I kept going. Cause I'm like, eventually someone's going to come by. Yeah. Nobody ever did. Um, wow. the sun ends up, you know, getting close to setting. I'm like, crap, I've got yes. to make a call. I've got to make the call. You know, I'm out here after dark. I can't get my bike up. All I, my bike's not broken. I'm not injured. I just need to get my bike like seven feet up this embankment back to the trail. That's all I need. So I make the call. They send the helicopter. <laughs> they want to pull me out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't pull me out. Just, just give me, get me my bike. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> so then they, they end up dropping a guy off and he ends up, pulling my bike up for me and you know it's, it was yeah. super minor but it required this like major thing i even told the dispatcher i'm like just send the truck send a couple of the guys up the trail you know i'm only i was only like four miles like up the trail like they can just hike the four miles whatever and then but like no they sent the freaking helicopter <laughs> so <laughs> it, that's an extreme experience but there's also been the other end where you know uh uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going down a new trail. I'm like, Oh, you know, this could go either way. It works mm -hmm. out completely fine. That happens most of the time or something happens and I got to turn around. Now I say that pretty friv frivolously. Like I just turn around. That's not how it is. Imagine being a paraplegic, turning that big bike around on narrow single track with a drop off. It's, that that in itself is like a you know an hour ordeal and so um a uh a, um just a regular any day ride can turn into something that's pretty unpleasurable you know mm -hmm. um very quickly and easily um but it doesn't have to be that way um if the information exists which it's starting to is starting to exist. Um, Trail Forks has adopted my uh, rating system and we're able to input adaptive info into trail pages. And I'm working on formalizing the uh, trail documentation protocol 
so that mm -hmm. I can train um, other adaptive riders to do the same in their respective areas. So the information is growing. Now, when it comes to um, like consulting and doing actual work, and so that's that's one aspect of the trail project. And the other aspect is actually um, updating trails um, for adaptive friendliness. And you mentioned hurdles. Um, and the reason why I'm so glad you asked this question is because of the the climate uh, in Bentonville currently is uh, folks are concerned. Um, the you know, they see the work we're doing and the concern is, and I don't like these terms, but these are the terms that are used in the mountain bike world that we're, um, sanit we're going to be sanitizing trails and we're going to do it to all of them, <laughs> which both are completely untrue. Um, the, the biggest hurdle and the, 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 the biggest, uh, misconception that I come across, uh, in trail work is that there's one type of adaptive trail couldn't be further from the truth and um i get contacted every day um by you know trail management and project managers and trail builders wanting to build an adaptive trail i'm like no do not build an adaptive trail because what do you think i hear I think when i hear that yeah segregation like i gotta ride this one trail and then if yeah. i want to ride with anybody they gotta ride this one this one boring trail with me you know like right. No, man, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the misconception that there is a, a one type of adaptive trail and there should be tra there's trail standards for that. That's, that couldn't be further from the truth. It is multi-tiered and very, very complex um, because when you consider the gamut of adaptive riders, it is so huge. Um, I base my uh, doc document, trail documentation on um, the mean, the average rider which is for me is based on a formula of um, rider capability, rider mm -hmm. disability and equipment capability. The gamut of each one of those things is huge. And you have to consider all of them con to consider what the mean is. And then I have to ride the trail both directions as kind of each one of those riders, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with w those riders in mind. So, and then it's all about what the, um, the goals for the trail are. Um, what type of experience are we looking for? Are we, are we looking for that hand cut single track or whatever, you know, with tons of tree gates, mm -hmm. that's probably not going to be adapter friendly, you know, um, is this, a, is this flow? Is this tech? Is this a jump line? You know, what are we looking for, for the experience of this trail? And, you know, what difficulty level are, are we looking for? And so these are the things to consider. So, uh, <clears throat> for example, there was um, a, a tree gate right out of the parking lot of uh, Blowing Springs on a short section of trail that linked to all the other trails. This one tree gate was stopping adaptive riders from accessing everything else, which is completely fine and has no other tree gates. <laughs> so yeah. the experience goal of this trail is not tree gates, you know? So, um, so we took out that tree gate mm -hmm. because it opened up so much more. It was one change to open up so much more for an entire other user group to me, no brainer, but caused a lot of concern in the community rightfully so um 
no, I don't want to say rightfully so. I want to say understandably so. I get it. Um, I really, people are, are um, very protective of their trails, the environment and everything. So am I. I understand. Um, but it's all based on misconception that we want to do that everywhere. We want to take out all the tree gates everywhere. No, that is not, that is not the case. The other misconception is that uh, we want to do this to all trail. Well, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to ride every trail, you know, I definitely would be lying, but I understand that that's just not feasible. Um, just impact wise and, um, changing the desired uh, experience of the trails and goals for the trails. It's just not in the cards. Um, so usually my goal is to have to figure out some, to, because of all that, and I've unpacked this <laughs> now. Um, so usually my goal is to pinpoint the low hanging fruit, to pinpoint those small changes like that tree gate to, mm -hmm. to gain like minimum updates maximum return so i usually um, spend time with a trail area ride every single trail which gets gnarly sometimes yeah. um with a support rider of course and then um get to know it and figure out what i feel is the best adaptive route and what with the fewest amount of changes that we can do to the fewest amount of trails that's that's usually my goal for an area and that takes that takes time to really get to know a, a trail area so help me understand um and, and this is gonna sound like an obvious question but i want to get it in your words so if a community a municipality when i say community i mean a municipality um it sounds like they are sensitive to wanting to make an amenity like a trail accessible to as many people as possible. It sounds like those attitudes are changing. The current users, again, a little more protective, and, and that, that's a hurdle to get over. But for those municipalities that this doesn't cross their mind, what are they what are they missing out on there there's obviously a moral obligation to try and and provide for all of the citizens right of a given of a given municipality so there's there's that moral thing but i mean in terms of the other benefit of doing this in the first place going to the trouble in the first place to be inclusive it's a little clumsy to say what's the payoff, but I'm going to ask you that. What 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 is what is what do communities reap when they go to the effort to build these things to accommodate as many people as possible? Oh, that's that's a really great great question. Um, you know, I could go the touchy feely route with that, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, man, well, there there are there are both communities that i'm experiencing there's there's the ones that are concerned about sanitization of trails and then there's the other half and it seems to be like split down the middle that want to that want to do make everything adaptive friendly you know and um <clears throat> so it's my work to talk to both because both are unrealistic you know um yeah. but you know the the first thing that comes to mind is um man, what's really important, you know, is mountain biking the most important thing in the world? No, it's not. It's not even close. 
what's important is being a better person, right? <laughs> and 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 doing whatever we can for others. And if that's not someone's mindset, then I I, I hope that that changes. You know what I mean? Um, so there's that part of it, but you know, let's make our lives not entirely about ourselves, you know, um, there's that. And then when we do that, our quality of life increases, uh, regardless of what the trail is like, you know? So we receive that, um, from, from, from doing this work. Um, but also, man, and this is a blessing and a curse when I'm out on the trail, people get stoked. Um, you know, I always say that, uh, being paralyzed is a gift in that way. And that's a crazy thing to say, because being paralyzed sucks. <laughs> um, it's a gift in that I can go ride my bike and people are stoked. I can go yeah. surf. I can just go to the grocery store and people are stoked, <laughs> you know? So you get more adaptive riders out on the trail. You're stoking out more people. It's a curse because a lot of times I want to be anonymous. I actually don't want the attention. I just want, I'm just out there just trying to, just to try to stay sane. And I just, um, barely got myself out of the house. I just want to listen to music and be alone and get some exercise outside. Um, and people are like, yeah, man, whoa, stuck. they want to talk about my bike. And whatever. <laughs> oh my God, I don't want to talk to anybody right now, <laughs> but it's a good thing because, um, it's stoking people out, man. I have an adaptive riders out there. Um, I, I have, uh, you know, a handful of, quadriplegic friends i have a couple blind i know this blind kid that rides man and that inspires me you know it's insane uh, he um the way he does it is he uh he follows someone's line he can see enough where he can follow their wheel and they'll yell at him like what's coming and he, dude he, he goes big too he crashes a lot but he goes big he's young <laughs> but so so if these guys are inspiring me, like yeah. I, I know that me being on the trail and other depth riders on the trails is, is stoking people out. So you're getting that, you know, and that's a good thing for a community. hundred percent. I see. Uh, so last question, and then, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with some other stuff, but um, uh, you, you described your early life as being a pinball, just, just whatever kind of fell in your path. That's, that's what you were going to do and what have you. Um, what do you, what do you dream about now that you're no longer that pinball that, that, that you are more intentional? Uh, obviously you're, you're still accomplishing great things. I've, I've looked at your bio and what have you, and either on the water or climbing or whatever, you've done amazing things. It, it, it has an air of intentionality about it. So what do you dream about now? What's the future? Now are you asking what do I like literally dream about in my dreams when I'm asleep or like, what are my, like basically what's my vision for the future? When there you excited go. What's your day? vision is a yeah. better word. Vision. Um, man, it's interesting. And I think, you know, I'm a tactician with a, with a lot of things and um, a lot of it is, is subject to our biology and what mm -hmm. our brain is delivering dopamine rewards for, you know, yeah. um, after we cross that threshold in our mid twenties of what our brain is rewarding us for, um, you know, my brain rewards me for stability, you know? So uh, for building stability, 
Um, whereas in our twenties, it's rewarding us for, you know, experiences of novelty, you know, pushing us out of the nest, you know? Um, yeah, man. Um, I, I think of my perfect house really. Um, I'm looking at plots in Bella Vista and, uh, I, I mean, my house that I have is cool. It, the location is is rad right at Kohler, but I'm not in love with the house. You know, it needs a ton of work. Um, and it's not the vision I had for the house. I want to grow old in, you know, right. I, you know, I want to be peaceful wooded area, lots of windows, you know, deer coming through my yard, birds singing, you know, okay. s- sipping coffee in my boxers on the deck in the morning. You know, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. And so that's what I, that's definitely what I dream about. I'm looking at plots of land in Bella Vista and, and talking to builders about a container house. I think about, I think about that. The other thing, which is kind of new. Um, well, it's not new. It's been a thing forever, but I've just, um, defined it for the first time mm-hmm. is, um, you know, surfing is, is my number one sport and being in the ocean is, is my, my, my first love. Um, and so I, I've, I've recognized this emotional reaction that I have when my friends just like run across the street at sunset and grab a couple waves. And I want that. That's not, hasn't been in the cards for me to be able to surf easily. That's, that's why mountain biking has become such a big part of my life is because there's, um, so fewer logistics. I can just go ride my bike by myself. No one has to touch me. Um, but with surfing, it requires getting help from somebody. So I've, I, I want to figure out a system where I can just surf more easily. Um, and that's definitely, that's definitely on my docket for, um, how I want my life and my future to look like. So house and surfing easily is kind of where I'm at. Cool. All right. Yeah. So I, I always try to, I always try to end uh, my interviews the same way. And, uh, hopefully I, in this, in this career of mine, I never get so egotistical that I think that I've thought of every question that there is to ask. And I don't want to miss something great just because I didn't know about it. So knowing we were going to talk today, is there anything I didn't specifically ask you that is a key part of your story or a key element of this whole concept of adaptability in the outdoors and inclusivity in the outdoors. Anything I didn't ask you specifically, you want to get on the record for and say goodbye. Oh man. Um, no, we covered a lot, man. <laughs> we, we, we covered some good ground. Nothing's coming to mind right now. Um, I guess you know, my one thing right now um, is what we talked about in the beginning about the the channel growing so slowly. Um, mm-hmm. I want to enlist the help, people's help with that um, in growing the channel. Um, I work really hard. Um, I've kind of taken a step back, um, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on taking care of myself. Um a little more, but I'm about to go on the road. I'm about to collect a ton of content and I'm going to work really hard on making rad videos. Um, yeah. So I just want to enlist the public's help um, with growing the channel um, and sharing it with people, subs- one subscribing and share, and then sharing it with people. Like if there's yeah. someone that, you know, you guys out there, if there's someone, you know, that you think would benefit um, from watching my videos, just share it. If every, if every single person shared it with someone and that person ended up subscribing, we could, you know, double the subscriber count. And, um, 
and also advice, <laughs> man, I am on lonely Island out here. Um, it's a one man show everything. Yeah. And if anybody has any advice, um, on how to make things better, um, you know, then, uh, I could, I could, I could really use that help for sure. <laughs> That's kind of the only thing I can, I can think of, man. All right, um, cool. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, let's stay in touch. And, uh, if, if I need things, I'm putting this together, I'll just reach out to you, uh, then. And, you know, as, as things evolve here in Arkansas, please, please let me know. Keep me posted. Uh, I'd love to continue to tell your story and just, you know, one Arkansan to another. Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't born here either, but I've been here long enough. They sent me my membership card. So, you know, they get used to you after a while. And uh, <laughs> I think you sent you your membership card. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, where you're gonna, are I think you? you're going to find a really cool place, man. Where are you from? I'm originally from Nebraska. Oh, you're a Huskers fan, huh? Uh, yeah, well, a, a long-suffering Huskers fan, yes, sir. I I went to my first Huskers game this season, this past season. Did you really? It's not oh, what God. I expected. Okay, so my experience of college football games is San Diego yeah. State. Okay, <laughs> and and it's all these drunk kids. That's hey. what San Diego State games are. Super yeah. fun. That's what I expected, and it is not that. It is um, mostly older serious people that are serious about the game uh i was totally blown away i mean we had a blast it, it was cool yeah. to be at such a big exciting game uh, it was definitely really interesting though I, I wore all my huskers gear i and the reason why i'm a huskers fan is i have a, a group of close friends here that are all yeah. from there so and they're That's all sweet. huskers fan yeah so i've grown to to love the huskers watching games with them and stuff so it's really, it's hopefully, really, really. Hopefully, fun. They'll, they'll give us. Hopefully, they'll give us a little more to cheer about here in the uh, uh, in the seasons to come because it's been been a long time since uh, we've been where we should be. So, and a lot of Huskers fans are Chiefs fans as well. Are you a Chiefs fan? No, I'm not no. a Chiefs fan. No, I didn't. I, I I don't have enough pain in my life, so I have been since uh, since high school a Bears fan. Oh, I awesome. I was a Walter Payton dude, man. I mean, he was, he was the man and I just never let go yes. of the Chicago bears. And that that's been another, uh, fairly long slog, but it's all right. They'll get back. Yeah, so good. That Super Bowl was at 85 when they just destroyed yeah. the pay. Oh, that was all. I remember watching that. My dad is bears fan. So I remember watching that. Yep. Um, there you go. Did, you, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. Did, did you watch the, try to did. pay attention to the commercials? No, actually, you know, we were, we, uh, we decided that we were going to have one night where we just watched the game. And then one night, uh, because streaming, right, it, nothing ever goes away. You know, we're going to go back and watch all the commercials just back to back. Well, speaking of Walter Payton. Um, yeah, it was really weird. There's one commercial with all these um, uh, football avatars like yeah. uh, football players little like little avatars running around they came out of the tv i don't remember what the commercial was for but yeah. the football players as their like animated avatars came out of the tv and were running around one of them was walter payton okay which was kind of weird for me because walter payton is no longer with us and here is yeah. his avatar running around i i don't know i thought it was kind of weird I mean, all the other players are all currently yeah. alive. Um, so I yeah. don't know. It was just kind of weird. 
I don't know what I, I got I, to uh, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine. I don't know why we're buddies because he's a lifelong Vikings fan. Oh, that's, that's just, I mean, my God, come on. But he had season tickets. And so uh, for a spell there, we would, we would go to one game a year. And it so happened that the game I got to go to with him was the first game in Soldier Field after Peyton had died. Oh, and shit. if you've ever, if you've ever been to Soldier Field for a football game against a, a conference rival, nobody ever shuts up and, and they don't stop fighting. Right. But they did a moment of silence and you could have heard a pin drop throughout that stadium. I was so impressed. It gave me chill. It gives me chills just thinking about it, but uh, that was a cool experience that I'll, I'll always have. He is the best ever, man. That's for sure. No doubt about that. I know you got a lot to do. I am so impressed and I learned a lot with this interview and thank you so much for being gracious with your time. If I need anything, I'll reach out. And when you get back to the state, let me know. I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, I'll be back uh, next month for the uh, Professional Trail Builders Conference. I'm uh, uh, delivering the keynote and um, doing group rides. I can't wait. I'm really excited um, just to educate everybody about adaptive riding and the work we're doing. Um, For my subscribers, um, where can they find you if you want to be found or, um, or your magazine? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so, um, we're, we're online, um, and, uh, find us at, uh, uh, and, uh, then also our Facebook page. Uh, this is going to be out in March, uh, right about the time that you're coming back to the state. Um, and if you're in Arkansas, particularly central Arkansas, you pick them up anywhere. I mean, it's free magazine. Awesome. Um, pick it up, pick it up anywhere on newsstands. Dude, I know what I forgot to talk to you. Tell you, I'm yeah, gonna sure, start. I'm gonna start hunting. Hunting, really? Yeah. <laughs> what, I, are you, uh, what are you gonna start hunting? Well, um, I've got a friend who's gonna be helping me. I, I got to start. Yeah. I'm gonna be starting small, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my moral compass alarms are just going off when I eat meat okay. um, because okay. I don't believe I give it the proper reverence it deserves. Yeah. And I'm an animal lover. And so to go through the experience of taking an animal's life is going to be very major for me. And I think that experience is what's going to enable me to respect my food to the level that it, my moral compass tells me it deserves. So, and the logistics for me hunting are pretty major. If you think about it, I'm, I'm going to have to use my bike, you know, to get out there, bushwhack, whatever we got to do. And um, learning well, to shoot a gun. I don't know how to shoot a gun. Me, let, me, yeah. uh, let, me send, let me email you a couple of resources in the state because there are some groups here that um, that's, that's their whole existence is adaptive hunting, right? I mean, oh, it's still awesome. hunting. No, it's still hunting. And, and I mean, you still got to you know, do what you got to do, right? But I mean, in terms of things that are a little more accessible instead of trying to roll through the woods where, you know, I mean, it may it may just be impassable you know for exactly on hunting. yeah and and I'll, I'll hook you up with them i'll i'll, I'll hook you up with oh, them and, please do that's gonna be great they can get you lined up either i think they do both duck hunts and, and deer hunting yeah i i think deer hunting is where it's going to be out for me um cool yeah uh you know factory farming is the the biggest evil on this planet and i think um 
for those who are anti-hunting that um can you hear me yeah i'm here okay this this one died <laughs> okay <laughs> Yeah, so I I'm excited and scared and and nervous all, all at the same time about it. But nah, you you'll be just fine. We'll, uh, uh, you know, I I don't do that myself. I I just I mean I don't have any problem with anybody doing it. And frankly, from a habitat perspective, it has to be done. I mean, you know, people that's what people don't understand about hunting is that it's actually beneficial to the species to have to be harvested to some degree right responsibly yeah and uh, and i think from your the motivation that you described I, I think you're gonna you're gonna really find that um uh it's a very powerful experience i really do uh, it's gonna be powerful in one way or the other i know that um it's and for me it's either become a vegetarian or start hunting that, that's where i'm at. okay <laughs> yeah i'm serious <laughs> you are an all or nothing kind of guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we All can right, support buddy. small small farmers and stuff like that, yep. but that's yep. not sustainable across across the globe. You know, the small that's farmers right. can't support everybody. Um, so that that's that's where it's at, man. I believe it's my cool. responsibility. All right. Well, I'm going to send you that stuff so that you can hook up at your uh, cool. at your uh, um, at your leisure, okay, and at your convenience. And uh, like I said, when you get back to the state, I, I hope to meet you. All right, Dwayne. Thanks, thanks, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Adios.